0: Begin to recognize what your blocks are, what are you afraid of, and then recognize that humor, for example, is not about necessarily telling jokes. It's about creating an environment where people feel good.
1: Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Matthew Wurwood.
2: And my name is Dr. Cindy Burnett.
1: This is the Fueling Creativity in Education podcast.
2: On this podcast, we'll be talking about various creativity topics and how they relate to the fields of education.
1: We'll be talking with scholars, educators, and resident experts about their work, challenges they face, and exploring new perspectives of creativity.
2: All with the goal to help fuel a more rich and informed discussion that provides teachers, administrators, and emerging scholars with the information they need to infuse creativity into teaching and learning.
1: So let's begin.
2: Today, we welcome to the show Izzy. Cassell, who is an organizational alchemist. He was a special education teacher in New York City before becoming a stand-up comedian and improviser, and then a professional speaker and facilitator. Through keynotes, breakouts, coaching, and facilitated sessions, Izzy offers imaginative, intuitive, and immediately useful insights and programs. Among the first to use improv theater concepts as tools for personal and organizational learning, he is the author of Playing Along group learning activities borrowed from improvisation theater and instructional moments facilitating with applied improv. He has video courses for LinkedIn learning. Check those out. They're called Leading with Applied Improv, Humor in the Workplace, and Building Your Team. And interesting, Matt, Izzy has engaged in many of our conversations on LinkedIn about our podcast. So when he reached out about being a guest on our show to talk about humor, creativity, improv, and education, I jumped at that opportunity because that's not something we've spoken about before. So, Izzy, welcome to the show. Let's begin at this intersection of improvisation, creativity, and humor. How do you see them connected, and how are they different?
0: Well, essentially, they are. If we think about the the uh, end result of the creative experience, there are certain ingredients that go into it, similar to the way uh, uh, a recipe builds something to to eat in the kitchen. So, what I found is uh, humor is is essentially a mindset with a result where people feel happy or joyful. What I've learned in my work over the, the past 20, 25 years is that people use humor for different reasons, so it's a structured event. Uh, you can create humor. I studied uh, humor when I was I was learning to be a stand-up comedian. Improv, on the other hand, is not the... Even though humor comes out of it, it's a result. The process that improvisers use to bring that outcome is really what interests me. And, and in improv, what's related to educators or or creativity is that improv is all about restriction and it's the restriction in the improv game that fosters the creativity because if you think about how improv is presented there's there are endowments there are uh two people who are they their brother and sister where are they Uh, they're in an elevator and what's the problem um they've uh, just uh, met themselves for the first time so that's the restriction within that restriction comes the creativity so the uh, the improv piece is about letting go of our blocks around being creative which is about spontaneity telling the truth Uh, we have all this self-talk going on the humor is a way of looking at the world in terms of perspective and how we see things there's always some truth in humor and the creativity is really about putting the pieces together in ways that are unexpected. So I think that's those three things come together for that uh, Venn diagram.
1: I absolutely Love this. And the reason why I love this is that we quite often talk about the classroom environment as a space or an environment to which there are lots of constraints. We speak about a rigid curriculum, we speak about the number of students, the lack of resource, the technology infrastructure, time as being a restriction. And there you are talking about the fact that when we're engaged in improvisation, there are constraints, rules, you know, you're this character, you're that character, you've got five minutes to deliver your story. Now, I think in a classroom environment, we might get frustrated, we might have a fear of failure, we may feel powerless to act, but this idea of constraints within the model of improvisation, we're actually being encouraged to laugh about it, find the humor in the situation and more importantly, just go with it. I am pumped with the connections that that's being made here to the extent that I'm planning on introducing a lot more improvisation in the summer with my teachers.
2: So I'm curious about that playfulness piece because I speak with a lot of educators and naturally I think I'm a very playful person and I come from a theater background as well. So being playful and doing improvisation in the classroom has always come very natural to me. But I know for a lot of educators, it doesn't come natural and they're afraid to bring in humor and playfulness into the classroom. And they're afraid to bring in improvisation because it's sort of they lose a little bit of control. So what are your recommendations and tips for teachers who want to bring this into the classroom?
0: The attitude starts with recognizing yourself. Uh, I used to teach in the graduate school at Hunter College in the Graduate School of Education while I was studying to be a stand up comic. And what I realized very early uh, in my when I was teaching the practicum course the, the the field study the field place and people come in once a week and, and they talk about not so much about pedagogy or curriculum but dealing with people kids are making me nuts the parents the school board just just what Matt you refer to the restrictions are not only in the classroom there there are restrictions in the hierarchy in the status you know, the expectation on teachers is really hard. Fix everything in the six hours. And yet the, the status that we give teachers is very low. You're not getting paid enough. We're not going to listen to you. Parents can do whatever they want in, in, in your classroom. So there's this muddy ability to how, how do I navigate these, the, these log jams? And I, I think w- like with creativity, humor and playfulness has to start with yourself by recognizing not only what your skills are, but what are you doing to keep yourself from being that way? So, for example, Matt, you mentioned the fear of failure. As a teacher, when it's, when one of the students does something that um, is not, let's say, correct, we encourage them to look at that and say, "Where did you go left instead of right?" Yet, with ourselves, we because we our, our position, our status, uh, the way we show ourselves to the world is very um, muddled. We don't give ourselves that, that same leeway. So my first answer is practice, take an improv class, honor your own creativity. What do you do? I mean, we're in education. The word recess is built into education with a recognition that play and unstructured time or minimally structured time is key to learning. Uh, is key to education, let's, let's say learning, evolvement, intellectual and physical, emotional and spiritual evolvement. So w- the first thing that, that, that I would recommend people to do is begin to recognize what your blocks are. What are you afraid of? And then recognize that humor, for example, is not about necessarily telling jokes. It's about creating an environment where people feel good. So the, the things you put up on the board, I'm thinking back to, to when I was at Hunter, and one of the things I realized was that successful teachers are performers. Teaching is a performing art. You're on a stage. There's multiple levels of interest from an audience that may or may not be interested. You're putting out material that you've done over and over again, so how do you keep it interesting? And you yourself are being judged at every moment by every person. That's a performance aspect. That's what stand-up comedy is about. And, and like teaching stand-up comedy, is about energy movement. We
1: are managing energy. You know, just to build on that, storytelling. I think is is part of the performance that teachers often are tasked with doing: packaging the curriculum and the instruction in the form of, of storytelling to build those connections um, and make it relevant to the students. I just think how many times I've told a story that is basically improvisation. A student has kind of asked a question or a student, you know, has introduced a discussion and then I find myself making a connection to something in my life, something in the past, perhaps something that occurred with with a previous group of students and then you, you tell a story around that. I'm just wondering is there certain strategies or tips that you could offer for that storytelling piece that can make it more engaging particularly when when they're off the cuff stories not stories that you've planned to tell stories that you suddenly find yourself telling in response to something that you wasn't expecting occurring
0: Yeah like so many other creative aspects the preparation you do before you need it is key and if the listeners can can recognize that the more they train themselves as storytellers the more available the material will be to them. So the idea might be to take a storytelling session and there's something called a story spine where you lay out a story in the steps that are logical because the brain processes information through cause and effect. And so so like when we're watching a movie or a TV show, if there's a story that we're interested in, the plot goes on, and then something happens that doesn't resonate, we don't see, well, how could that happen given this story? We, it, it, it's the plot hole. It loses the, the energy. So stories have a certain uh, cause and effect and, and, and momentum. And one of the things I realized when I was doing teacher education program, not, uh, working with teachers in, on improv and humor in the classroom, I, I'd ask them, what's the teacher that you remember? And most, if not all, tell the story of a teacher who was some kind of a performer, a little larger than life. The one who come in and act out a history class uh, or or the one who would be very happy or the one who would be a little bit out of the ordinary, even in a negative way. The ones who are very, very strict, the ones who would hang children. I, I remember a first grade teacher. Uh, many many years ago, who was called the hook because she would take uh, the, the kids who were talking out loud, put them in the coat closet, and this is the first grade, and hang us on uh, in, in the closet with her <laughs> on the coat hook. I remember that from sixty years ago. That's my story. So the idea is that stories are what make teachers memorable, and and I think that uh, what I would say for 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 the people listening just learn a bit more about, so you love stories, you know, stories, you watch stories, you have stories, put them in, in, in a way that you can, you can relate to them. So one example is you could show your students your vulnerability. If they make a mistake and feel upset, you say, oh, you know, I, I, I let me tell you a story about what happened to me when I was in school or when I tried this. And so that would be my recommendation
1: you know, when you was talking, I found myself thinking about all of the stories that I actually could tell and don't tell that might be make believe or made up a made up scenario that better packages, um, you know, a topic like artificial intelligence. But there's also the piece of storytelling where you're sharing stories about yourself, stories about your failures, stories about your vulnerabilities. So there's, there's kind of two different types of storytelling here. And I think this conversation is reminding me again, of the tremendous creativity that exists within the teaching profession
0: yeah and and the creativity piece you have the story connection but then you also have to um, work on the delivery to make it impactful so the 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 creativity is not just in uh, the outline of the story the three parts uh, the setup the problem the solution uh, but also understanding the power of the pause for example which 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 is timing understanding that you're going to give three examples of uh, about what she looked like, not 15 examples, which would. So there's a, a craft to telling a story. There's also a craft to to pulling a story together from your experiences, and then there's the courage to put yourself out there, and that's what builds the rapport. Generally.
1: Do you want to bring more creative and critical thinking into your school? Look no further than our podcast sponsor, Curiosity to Create.
2: Curiosity to Create is a nonprofit organization dedicated to engaging professional development for school districts and empowering educators through online courses and personal coaching.
1: And if you're craving a community of creative educators who love new ideas, don't miss out on their creative thinking network. Get access to monthly webinars, creative lesson plans, and a supportive community all focused on fostering creativity in the classroom
2: To learn more, check out curiosityTocreate.org, or check out the links in the show notes for this episode. So we talked about storytelling. I'd love to talk a little bit about improvisation and the principles behind improvisation, which I think blends so beautifully into creativity. So can you tell us a little about those principles?
0: The work that I've been doing in improv and what, what I found for myself when I was doing stand-up comedy. I learned a lot of lessons about being vulnerable and alone on a stage and, and about the way people respond. So I remember asking my comedy te- writing teacher, um, how do you overcome your fear of becoming of going up on stage? Because I was a good writer. I was in a group. I didn't want to perform. I was afraid. He said, you don't overcome your fear. You bring it with you. That's what people are interested in. In other words, be, be real. Um, When I got into improv, I realized that there were certain skills I was learning that led to the outcome. And it wasn't that anyone was smarter, quicker or more creative than someone else is that we were in a practice. And the three things that I take away from improv that I think are relevant uh, about their success is there are three skills. Well, the first is presence. Improvisers are always in the moment. The past is gone. The future is unknown. Now is the only time to act. And they act they don't think they don't judge very long they don't weigh options they act the second skill is acceptance improvisers understand the difference between acceptance and agreement they may not like what they give they may not like uh, it's not may not be their choice they deal with it that's the yes and improvisers hours in a real situation and the third is they trust process improvisers are able to suspend judgment about whether things are good or bad in the moment. And the creativity aspect allows them to say, okay, I don't know how this is gonna turn out, but I am gonna remain curious and keep within the restrictions to keep moving forward and see where it turns out. So that's where that intersection is. And very often it's funny because humor comes from reality.
2: So do you have any examples of improv games that educators could bring into the classroom?
0: Yeah. Uh, let's do the one for the three of us. Okay. Uh, let's play a game called uh, One Word Story. You, uh, We're all going to, uh, together, build a story that's never been told before. And we're going to do this one word at a time. It, my experience is that we won't really know where it's going to end up. And any of us could use period, question mark, exclamation point to indicate the end of the sentence. But we can't use that as our turn. In other words, we can't abdicate uh, adding a word to build the story. Uh, why don't we do... Um, I can start, then Matt, then Cindy, and we'll keep going around that way. And uh, why don't one of the two of you make up the title of a story that's never been told before? Don't think too much. Exploding Rocket. The Exploding Rocket. I'll, I'll begin. There was... A... Crazy... Scientist, but... Determined. To. Invent. The.
2: Egantic.
0: Rocket. Ship. To. Fly. Down. The. Hole. Period. The. Rocket. Exploded. Before. It. Could. Fly. Period. The end. Let, let, let's close it right that here. Was awesome!
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that here. So Cindy's applauding.
0: Uh, Matt's smiling. I'm I, I I'm enthusiastic. Yeah. So that's the game. The education part, the 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 learning part, now comes into what was that like for you? The open-ended
1: question. What was that like for you? The two things that I took away was there were times where I felt that I could throw in a word that was unusual, you know, or, or perhaps not what was expected. And then there were other times where I felt that it was, you know, the setting up Cindy to to take that. So I felt connected to everyone. I felt like there was a partnership. And sometimes I was setting somebody up or taking charge of where we might go with the story. And and I wasn't expecting that. And that's probably the, the two pieces of takeaways that I got.
0: One of the things you learn about improv is that what in improv, which is a, goal-oriented group activity where each person is at various times leader and follower you have to be able to experience and live with both leading whatever you say we will follow it and when it's not your turn whatever someone else says you have to accept remember the difference between acceptance and agreement so that that was a a very concise um uh, understanding Uh, cindy what was your experience
2: Just that it was playful and I knew that whatever I was going to, whatever words came out of my mouth, aside from the fact that Matt and I didn't get the instructions correct to start off with, (laughs) um, that it was going to be okay. That it was a game of play and there was really no right or wrong way to do it other than to say one word, which we didn't get right. But that was still playful and funny.
0: Two things I want to point out. One is I noticed at the end, uh, since uh, I can see you, that you applauded. (laughs) Mm-hmm. What was the applause about?
2: That we did it. We accomplished something.
0: Yeah. So there's a, so both Matt and, and you, Cindy, you both refer to the fact that within this 90-second to two-minute activity, three people have uh, – this is almost like a hero's journey. We start out on this, 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 this adventure to tell this story. We stumble a little bit, and then we get on, and then we arrive at our goal. Uh, the unexpected outcome so uh, the applause is for for we've done this together matt you refer to felt feeling connected cindy you you, you refer to to that so what i've come to understand from doing this many times is what we feel is that this was a story that's not your story or my story it was our story it's not your struggle or my struggle is our struggle and it's not your success or my success, it's our success. So there's a feeling of connectivity and community. So if we're in a classroom together, then right away on some conscious or unconscious level, we have a connection, partly because we empathize with each other's struggle. And what I'd like to ask you then is let's go back to the beginning when we had a few bumps. What, what, what's your takeaway on the value or the result of that?
1: Well, my initial thoughts, I mean, Cindy, you had referenced about us not getting it right and, and failing, but we got it right after a couple of times and we we kind of just went with it and we it what was it, 20 seconds, 30 seconds, we mastered it. So I think there's going back to whenever you try something new, right, you're going to make errors, errors are associated with learning and eventually you mastered the game or able to participate in the game. And I think that reminds us that when we do try something new, we need to be open to the fact we might not get it right at first, but we need to keep going. And I think that could be applied to using new technology. It could be applied to trying a new activity out as well as doing you know, a, 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 um, a team building activity like this.
2: It also reminded me of our episode we did with uh, Dr. Edward Clapp, who comes out of Harvard Zero, who talks about participatory creativity and how it's not just about one person, it's a collaborative process. And the creative process is a collaborative one. And I think this exercise really brought that to light that when you're working together, it felt very collaborative. I felt like I wanted to support both of you. I wanted to be a good team player. I wanted it to work out for all of us. So I loved that aspect of it.
1: And just want to build on one more thing is going back to the idea of the constraint piece at the very beginning that I referenced, been reading a little bit about constraints recently. And, and you know, there's, there's kind of a, the suggestion that there is a certain amount of constraints. You don't want to have too little or too much, but the kind of Delicate balance of having just as just enough constraints can really be conducive for creativity. And I and I think about when you first said to me you're only allowed to say one word. I was like, my brain really immediately said, I don't know if I like that rule. But then when I, once I participated in it, I realised it was a very effective rule for group creativity. I was probably upset because I felt a little bit restricted as an individual. So building up on what Cindy said about the participatory culture that rule or that constraint facilitated the need for this to be about a group project.
0: Yeah. When, when, when it's your turn, you're in control. You're in charge. When it's somebody else's turn, you have to follow. So this is the difference. You, you described it very clearly, Matt, the difference between acceptance and agreement. You didn't agree. Once you were accepted, you, you played along. It's always so interesting to see the, the balance and, and the, of how A unit, a team, a classroom, a group of people come together by each person being able to deliver, uh, contribute to their ability. And the other thing I noticed, and this will be the last thing just on, on this one for me, is that when the beginning happened and we were stumbling a little bit with the project, there was no blame. There was no shame. There was no somebody being called out for making a mistake. What we did as a group is We took it, we started again, we kept going, and we realized that like in a dance, when you're dancing with someone you've never danced before, it takes a little while to get into the rhythm because we all have different internal rhythms. So that's true in, cre- in group creativity also, that we all have different, uh, d- different rhythms. And that was a really powerful example of how we allowed each other to catch our own rhythms. And by the end, we told a pretty interesting story. That was a That that was that was joyful. The joy of, I call that the joy of co-creation.
1: So Izzy, first of all, before we go into our last question, thank you so much for sharing that activity because it's an activity that I feel. I mean, Cindy and I, when we one of the goals of setting up the podcast, you know, is to try and offer teachers now listeners something that they can immediately take away and, and typically think about, but sometimes execute in the classroom environment and I can just think of so many different environments to which teachers can either engage students or colleagues in that activity I certainly know that over the summer and in the fall I will be thinking about how I can uh, bring more improvisation into the classroom because of of the activity that you shared today so thank you so much for that In terms of finishing up the podcast episode, we ask all of our guests to provide three tips that they can give to teachers when it comes to promoting creativity in the classroom.
0: Take an improv class or take a class where you are a bit uncomfortable about your confidence in your creativity. People tend to mix up uh, safety zone and comfort zone. So go into your comfort zone or your discomfort zone uh, with improv or a a creativity class. The second is to notice where creativity happens to you each day. In other words, when your routine is upset, when something happens that you have to change your expectation, take note of that and see how you are processing that different path. I call it the GPS uh, of of the mind. How, How do you reroute yourself? when either crisis or um, uh, unexpected events happen. And, And third, look for the creativity in others. Notice how the people you're working with, living with, teaching, are being creative in solutions to their own problems. And build on that. Go to where the student is to build on their inherent creative skills and give them the confidence to be in situations where they may not know the outcome.
2: Izzy, thank you so much for those tips. And for those of you listening, if you want to learn more about applied improv and the classroom, I would check out Izzy's books, Playing Along, Group Learning Activities Borrowed from Improvisation Theater and his other book, Instructional Moments, Facilitating with Applied Improv, which has lots of activities. You can also check out Izzy's website, which has some resources as well. So Izzy, thank you so much for sharing your expertise today on improvisation, creativity, and humor.
0: This was fun. I really, time time just, just flew by and, and thanks for the opportunity to play.
1: Cindy and I are back to offering our giveaway. So all you need to do is post a review on your favorite podcasting platform, screenshot that review and send it to Cindy and myself via the email address, questions at fuelingcreativitypodcast.com and Cindy and I will give you an option of a Fueling Creativity in Education mug or one of our books. My name is Dr. Matthew Warwood.
2: And my name is Dr. Cindy Burnett. This episode was produced by Creativity and Education in partnership with WarwoodClassroom.com. Our editor is Sina Youssefzadeh.